Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I'm actually going to start by um, giving out a little gift. And it's to someone uh, very special this morning. Um, it's actually to Michael. Yes. Um, so, Michael, I have a cream egg for you this morning. There you go. And it's not because I love your skin fade or because you are amazing on the piano and I love hearing you tinkle. Um, it's actually because you were the first person to talk to me this morning. So, let's do just take a seat. Um, and actually, that is an opportunity that you all had. You all could have been the first person to talk to me this morning. Everyone in this room had that opportunity, but you couldn't be bothered to get out of bed. (laughs) And this morning, that is what our message is about. It is about a missed opportunity. If you think about all of the missed opportunities that we have in our lives, we have lots of opportunities and we do miss out on a lot of them. Thinking of jobs we might have missed out on because we weren't prepared enough or didn't ask the right questions, or maybe it just wasn't the right time or we weren't the right face at that uh, moment. Or relationships we miss out on because maybe our heart isn't in the right place or our attitude isn't quite right. Or maybe we just miss out on meeting up with someone or spending time with someone because we're just too busy and there's so much going on. Or maybe, if you're anything like me, really recently you're trying to buy tickets for a sporting event and you you haven't got the right gold membership or you haven't been a member of this place for long enough just to be able to buy a ticket. We miss out on opportunities all the time. Or it might just be as arbitrary as it was this morning that you just weren't the first person to talk to me. And this morning, we're just continuing our sermon series on life-changing encounters with Jesus. And you might be able to guess from the little intro there that this one's a little bit different from all of the encounters that we've seen before. No one is healed. No one mentioned in the story is saved. This is a story of someone who missed their opportunity. So, if you want to turn to your Bible this morning, uh, or turn it on, kind of whichever way you like to do it. I know David will be turned to it, he loves a paper copy. Um, Yeah, we are going to be reading from Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to start at verse 16. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, and shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what still do I lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I tell you, it is harder for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then 
what then will be there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you, have, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of, tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left, their, left houses or brothers or sisters or a father or mother or wife or children or fields, for my sake, will, enter, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. So here we find a young man and his encounter with Jesus. And that was quite a long passage, admittedly. Um, And there's so many different things that we can focus on um, this morning. We will go through lots of these different things. But I actually think the crux and the key part of this message is the statement that Jesus makes in verse 21. And no, it's not about him giving up all his wealth and his money and selling his possessions. It's the invitation that Jesus extends to him. And it's an invitation that's actually to all of us this morning. It says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. That's... That's the whole story. That's what this whole story is about. And this is what this whole encounter is about this morning. This whole story is about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that's what I just want to keep that in mind as we go through. Because this young man in his encounter with Jesus, we read, went away from this encounter feeling sorrowful, sad, dejected and grieving. He missed out on his opportunity. And I just don't want, to, or don't want us to miss out on that same opportunity that we have today. And just this morning, I want to focus on the three reasons that this young man um, went away feeling like that so that we don't feel the same way this morning. And firstly, it was because he found following Jesus too costly. There is actually a cost associated to being a follower of Jesus. And sometimes it actually demands more than we could ever imagine. In order to follow Jesus, we must accept that there is a cost. Jesus is really clear about this, not just in this passage, but actually in a meeting with another wealthy man earlier in Matthew 8. Um, He meets this man and the man says this, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So here's another man in another encounter of Jesus where someone is actually really, really keen to follow him, but Jesus is really clear with him. There is a cost to following him. It isn't going to be five-star hotels, Michelin-star meals, or almost famous burger in Manchester, or even a travel lodge for that matter, because I know that's all James is going to pay for. So he says the son of man has no place to lay down his head. He's literally homeless. Jesus is traveling around, and he is literally homeless. He has nothing. There is a cost associated with following him. Even to feed people and the crowds that follow him, he has to carry out miracles, turning out turning uh, five loads and two fish into so much food to feed everyone else. He doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have something. There's a cost to following him. Even the disciples themselves, the 12 that follow him, have left their families, have left their jobs as uh, either fishermen or tax collectors. And actually, we even read later in the Bible that the spreading the word of Jesus after after his death cost some of them their lives. Peter, who we read about in this chapter, actually was killed just outside of Rome. And that can all seem a bit unrelatable and a bit big and a bit kind of, oh, that was just in the Bible. But actually, even if we think about it here this morning in Reddish, in setting up this new church here, each one of us has made a little sacrifice. If I just think in mine and Jess's case, for example, we left behind the comfort 
and I guess safety of an already established church in Lady Barn where we had loads of friends and we have made friends here as well, just to clarify. <laughs> but we left that comfort and safety of having all those friends because we believed that God wanted us to step out in faith and be here. There was a cost associated with following Jesus. And moving back to our young man this morning, Jesus shows him the cost and really drills down to the issue in his heart. Now, our young man must have known he had issues in his life. He must have known that something wasn't quite right. He wasn't completely at peace. Otherwise, why why is he going to see Jesus? Why is he going to ask him these questions? He was discontent, and that's what led him to seek out Jesus. Maybe he'd even heard of him and the miracles that he'd done. Or maybe he'd heard of the healings that he carried out. Maybe he'd even seen one. Maybe he'd been in a crowd before. So he comes to Jesus to find the solution. And we read that Jesus makes two demands of him. Firstly, it's to sell all of his possessions and to give it to the poor. And the second one is the one we mentioned earlier and is the real crux of this message, and it is to follow him. And for each of us this morning, actually, we have that same opportunity again to follow him and to answer it this morning. We do have the opportunity to answer that this morning and answer that call. But going back to the first demand, he, he is asked to give up his wealth and possessions. That's more specific to this man here. Jesus meets quite a few rich people as he travels around spreading his ministry. And this is the only time that he actually makes this specific request to give up all of his wealth and possessions and give it to the poor. Even if we think of another rich man who has an encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus, um, who actually, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you might have sang a few songs about. Um, he, was re- he was also another wealthy man that Jesus made, uh, met. Um, and he'd actually be- even become wealthy by cheating people out of their money. But Jesus didn't ask him to give up all of his wealth and sell all of his possessions. He did ask him to pay the money back and to also give extra money to the poor. But it wasn't all of his money. So we are asked to be good stewards of our wealth and to use it for Jesus. But in this instance, this isn't a rule for all rich people. And it's not the key message here. It is something that we're actually going to cover um, on our next preaching series. So I'll just leave that there. The point is here that Jesus has seen into this man's heart and seen the problem. His problem was his wealth. His problem was where his heart was. And that was driven by his wealth. Even though this man's behaviour is good, it says he's been keeping all of the Ten Commandments Um, Earlier in this message, when Jesus asks, have you been keeping these? He's like, of course I have. What more can I do? Um, He's missed out on the first. That is, thou shalt love love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and thy mind. He loves his wealth and possessions more than he loves Jesus. That's the point here. It's not about the fact that he has wealth or how much he has. It's that he loves that wealth more than Jesus. The love of money and possessions rules over him rather than Jesus. And this is summed up in a verse earlier in Matthew. So this is in chapter 6 and verse 24 and it says this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. I think we can all relate to that on some level again. I know I can, having worked a few different times for multiple different bosses where you have two bosses. And quite honestly, it's an absolute nightmare. 
One wants one thing, one wants the other. You're getting pulled in different directions. You can never quite keep one happy. One always ends up unhappy with what you've done. So we can't serve two masters. We're never, ever going to please both masters if we're trying to serve two. And the question that we'll have to ask ourselves this morning is, are we trying to serve two masters? Who or what are we following? Are we following and driven by money and possessions or career progression or certain relationships? What is getting in the way of us following Jesus to its full potential? What is getting in the way of Jesus being the master over our lives? And that is essentially the impossible situation that the young man found himself in. He can't serve two masters and he refuses Jesus and walks away. He misses out on his opportunity even though Jesus is right there in front of him in person, never mind like today, he is literally physically in person seeing Jesus, he finds himself in an impossible situation and walks away. And that's the second reason that the man walks away sorrowful. He found it impossible to follow Jesus. After the man walks away, Jesus himself tells us the extent of the problem, the impossibility of the situation that he's in. Read in verses 23 to 24. Truly, I tell you, it is harder for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, right here, um, I actually have a little needle. So this is, this is a needle, in case you've never seen one before. And the eye of the needle is the little bit that you put the thread through at the top. Can anyone see that from where you are? I'm going to guess not. James, can you just come out the front? I just want to, just want to uh, demonstrate something. Um, so you can see here, here I have a needle. Here is the eye of the needle. James, do you think there's any way that you could get yourself through the eye of the needle? I'd back myself. You'd back yourself. <laughs> so I think, unless there is a new technology that I'm not yet aware of that can miniaturise James, which I'm sure we'd all be thrilled about, um, to get through the eye of this needle, mm. I, I think that's impossible. I, I think it's impossible. And as big as James is, he isn't quite the size of a camel either. <laughs> so we, just, we can just see... You can sit down now. We can just see the impossibility of the situation. Jesus is literally saying that it is impossible. And so unless, as I say, unless there's this new technology that we can miniaturize ourselves to go through this eye of the needle, it's impossible. And we even read that actually the disciples themselves that are around them are shocked by this response. They've kind of stood there like, what? All right, so you're so you telling me this is impossible. Why, why am I even here? Why, why are we following you if it's impossible? Why, why are we all sat here this morning if this is impossible? They're still there thinking, even, hang on a minute, this guy on the surface is actually a good guy. In a worldly sense, he's successful, he's got possessions, he's wealthy. And we've also read the good works that he's doing. He's trying to keep his Ten Commandments. He's, he does have like a religion as such. He's trying to be a good man. He sounds like a great guy. And not only that, he came to Jesus, he recognised that he had a problem, he isn't perfect, so he's, he's come to the right guy and is even asking the right questions. And he's even getting the right answers, he's getting the answers from Jesus himself. Yet still, he finds it impossible. 
But that is because it is impossible. Jesus has just told us. And the guy has completely missed the point. And Jesus had the, question, the answer to the disciples' question of who can be saved. In verse 26, it says this. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the point. By ourselves and in our own strength, no matter how good we are, no matter how many commandments we keep, no matter if we think we could miniaturize ourselves and go through the eye of a needle, or how much money of our, we give to the poor, we'll never be perfect. All of these things are good things, but we will never, ever be truly perfect. And we'll still struggle to keep that first commandment, to truly, truly love Jesus and follow Jesus with all, and I mean like a, a million thousand percent of our hearts. And actually, that's the crux of it right there, is accepting that working for our salvation and working in order to follow Jesus is impossible. And actually, that acceptance is absolutely critical. Now, that isn't supposed to be demotivating at all. Um, it's, it's actually in this moment that we accept this and look to Jesus that all he can do is revealed. For us to follow Jesus in our own strength, in our own works, it's impossible. But God intervenes and makes it possible. And I think these verses in Ephesians actually sum it up way better than I ever could. So this is in Ephesians 2, and it's verses 8 to 9. And it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this, is, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. We are not saved by any works that we can do. It's absolutely impossible. We will never meet that standard. We are saved by God's grace, and it's a gift. All we have to do is step out, take our opportunity, and take it. But this, this young man just couldn't see that. He couldn't see what was possible um, with Jesus. He didn't step out in faith and walked away sorrowful. Are we going to walk away this morning? Are we going to keep following the two different masters? Are we going to lust after money? Are we going to lust after relationships? Or are we going to make Jesus the master of our lives? And that brings me to my final point. So the young man didn't want to pay the cost. He found it impossible to follow Jesus in his own strength. And he couldn't, just couldn't see that the treasure and privilege of following Jesus was eternal and so much greater than any riches or any cost he would have to pay on earth. He couldn't see or understand the eternal treasure of following Jesus. Now, I don't want to give him too much of a hard time, um, because actually when we look at the passage, even the disciples are struggling with this concept. Peter is even asking the question that we all wanted asking, really, if we're being honest. He understood that it was to follow Jesus and needed the grace of God and that following Jesus had a cost. But what exactly was in it for him? And Jesus did have an answer. In verses 28 to 30, it says this. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake 
will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. The first verse there is actually directly speaking the disciples to Peter himself who's asked the question. Talks about the new creation after Jesus has come again and he tells Peter that the disciples will sit on thrones with Jesus ruling over all of this new creation with Jesus for eternity. That right there is their reward. But then Jesus widens it out and he's talking about all of us today who pay that cost to follow him. It says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. This is the opportunity that we have this morning to follow Jesus and to be with Jesus for eternity. That is where our treasure lies. Nothing on earth can compare to this treasure. In Matthew 6, in verse 19, it says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Following Jesus changes our hearts and that is where we place our treasure. That's what our rich young man didn't understand that the treasure is not found in wealth or possessions or or position even built up on earth, but is found in heaven in that eternity alongside Jesus. This young man missed out on this opportunity and it wasn't just getting a cream egg in the morning, which is great, a bit early in February, I know, but it is still a great opportunity. Um, He missed out on the greatest opportunity that he would ever be given. And what actually we have that same opportunity this morning. Firstly, that following Jesus is a cost we can't afford to pay. But following Jesus is made possible through his grace. He'll be with us, he'll be alongside us, and actually he'll help us pay that cost and he'll be alongside us in our struggles. And the reward for this, for following Jesus, will last for eternity. I'm just going to leave you with two questions. Are we going to take that opportunity that we'll have this morning? Are we going to miss out? Can we not be bothered to get out of bed to get a cream egg? But are we going to take this opportunity to fully commit to following Jesus? Not just a little bit, it's not an add-on. Are we going to take the opportunity to fully commit and make Jesus master over our lives? We don't want to walk away sorrowful like that young man. We don't want to be disappointed, dejected. We don't want to miss out on this opportunity. And secondly... If we have taken this opportunity, are we going to share it? Are we going to tell everyone about how amazing this opportunity is and give someone else an opportunity to follow him and get that great treasure, that eternal treasure in heaven?